Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. I am Nick Fulweiler, and I'm here with Peter Bell. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing well. School decided to meet in person, so I'm excited. Awesome. Just the little blessings in 2020, like being able to see people in face. Being able to see a real human being, not through a screen. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, cool. Yeah, another day of fresh grace and mercy, and we are going to be talking about Christian vocation, which mm-hmm. is uh, pretty much meaning um, as a Christian, how to uh, work, how to be in the workplace, how mm-hmm. to get a career, um, how to look at what you do for work as meaningful, um, or if you're not a Christian, um, what it is to have, what to expect from your Christian coworkers, I guess. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll jump right in. Uh, so vocation could also mean ikigai, which is a word I recently dug up is from more of a Japanese origin of kind of like finding the one, your one meaning of uh, what you do, your passion, your, your career, that kind of thing. Um, I actually am really excited about this episode, and I just, I know I say that for every episode, so I think I really am excited. Who's for not excited for episodes? I mean, come on. Yes. Uh, for this one, it's a little bit more personal to me because it's something I have wrestled with in and outside my Christian life for the last 36 years, you know. So it's more of what what am I, what is God calling me to do? Like, I try to like pray really hard and meditate. Like, should I be doing sales or should I be an actor or should I be a policeman? You know, and I have all these ideas and things that yeah, I'm NFL football player, uh, major league baseball player, all these different things. Yeah. The NFL thing that uh, failed a little bit earlier in my life, but yeah, major league baseball player played baseball competitively a lot of my life I just thought I was gonna be a baseball player you did too for a while I think yep so yeah this is a especially in our culture and day and age where there's so many careers and jobs out there it's overwhelming right yeah it's even those who don't have a clear calling that can be burdensome because you feel like you have to have some very specific passion and people around you have a passion and you don't feel like you have that same passion. Yeah. Just so, like, I mean, it affects both, both crowds, those who really want to do something and feel like, Oh, it's not Christian enough. Or those who don't have any desire, don't have any specific direction and feel bad about their not having a passion. Right. Yeah. Especially being in America, there's just so much pressure and gravity put on your identity in what you do for work. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's the number one answer. When somebody asks you, Hey, what do you do? Who are you? you? Usually start with, Oh, this is what I do for work. 
Right. So yeah, to start it off, I think that's a great thing to remind ourselves that our identity is not in your resume. It's in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's in his resume, not ours. Yes. Yes. So let's get right to it. Um, Biblically speaking, how are we called to look at work, careers, jobs? Yeah, so I did, I did, I did some digging up and some research on this. Um, and on the front end, too, there's a really good book from Tim Keller on vocation, on how to work as a Christian, how to think about work as a Christian, um, how to be a Christian worker. Uh, taken from scripture and personal experience. So I would commend that. And I'll put that in the resources too. Um, But being a Christian or thinking about a Christian job, I think, especially within kind of a reformed interpretation has been uh, a pretty accurate reaction against the Catholic understanding of vocation, which it was a sacrament for for a long time. I think it's still a sacrament according to Trent and the new catechism. Um, but that there was only like one true calling and that true calling was being a priest or being a bishop of the church. And outside of that, it kind of didn't matter what you did um, because it wasn't sanctified. It wasn't holy to the Lord. It wasn't specifically serving the Lord. And so I think a lot of people had this idea around work that if I'm not specifically in ministry, I'm not a Christian in work and seeing how Paul talks about his vocation um, as a tent maker where he did not take personal funds for his ministry, um, seeing Christ's vocation up until his ministry as either woodworker, construction, whatever, whatever that would have been in, in first century. Um, Yeah. But being a Christian is, is, um, showing the light of Christ in your work. And we'll, we'll talk more about what, what it means to work as a Christian, um, how to find a job as a Christian and, and what's um, effectively like what's okay to be a, as a worker, as a Christian, what to do, what not to do and, and kind of some categories to think about it. Um, but as opposed to what I said before, uh, a Christian can be a lot of things and be a Christian called to that work not just the calling of the ministry. There's callings to other parts outside of just vocational ministry. So I wanted to get that out in front too. So it kind of always feels like you're living in two different worlds. Yeah. uh, Where, yeah, it seems like you got your faith life. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully it's not just Sunday mornings. (laughs) or uh even that i mean it is like you feel like your home life your faith life and then you have your you almost put on a mask or a different identity for your workplace life which yeah be that way but it feels like we kind of have to be forced to do that sometimes and um especially if your work industry is in a very secular industry or your coworkers are very secular and you feel the need to fit in um and that kind of thing so how do we live life with those that two those two aspects? Yeah, and that's I think again that goes into what I was saying before, and it's understanding that the distinction between quote unquote secular and quote unquote sacred is a good distinction. Um, having 
what I said. So it comes from the Latin word secular, which is just normal. Um, we've we've taken that word and, and kind of made it what it what it's not in the church, um, mm-hmm. but it's just normal outside of the church, outside of Sunday mornings, kind of like what we talked about before uh, with Garden of Eden, um, with the rest, with the Sabbath, um, that being a picture of the age to come, that being the the heavenly kingdom, the heavenly world versus the earthly world, the earthly kingdom. And it, it, it be, it being okay that there are two worlds, that we do have citizenship in two worlds. We have a citizenship that is sure in heaven, and we have this temporary citizenship here on earth. And mm-hmm. most of us are called to this citizenship on earth as a vocation. But what we should we always be doing, both in word and in deed, is pointing towards, hey, this is not all that there is. There is that coming citizenship. There is that coming world of heaven. But stressing this really because it's it's been it's been flipped on its head. But the secular, the non-church, the non-specifically Christianized portion of our life, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Being in a regular position, not within the church, not with other Christians, that is totally, totally okay. And within kind of reformed understanding of vocation because we need shoemakers we need auto mechanics we need lawyers we need teachers we need people who can faithfully and um beautifully do their job throughout the week as a picture of the one who's beautifully and faithfully worked our salvation as well so having having that distinction i think is is actually is actually good because in that that allows us to rest in our average day-to-day life and say, this is where I've been called and I've been called to do it well. And I've been called to do it to point to the eternal. Yeah. Good answer. I like it. Um, What if you feel like your job is having you do something that goes against scripture? Yeah. And that's, we can do, we can take this uh, a twofold way. We can say there's either a direct contradiction of the biblical record, um, either um, to denounce the name of Christ, to go against explicit claims that we see in scripture, and then also things that are implicit or things that are more natural, like murder or um, anything else along those lines, stealing. Um, and so when we're asked to do those things, I think because of our hev- because our heavenly citizenship comes first and the earthly citizenship follows after the heavenly. So the two kingdoms, if we think about it, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of heaven is first and primary. So our responsibility is to that first. And secondly, it comes to the earthly. And so if our earthly boss asks us to do something that is against our primary citizenship, that's when we call like either civil disobedience, um, peaceful disobedience, saying, I mean, according to my belief system, according to my true citizenship, this is not something I'm willing to do. This is not something I can do. Um, And having them be okay with like this, this is part of my code. This is part of my background because they have their own background. They're not just saying this neutrally. They're saying this with a specific idea in mind or specific agenda um and so i think it is okay as christians to say no this is not something i'm going to do um 
but again too like being realistic about christians being realistic about, about myself and i'm sure about yourself this is a humongous struggle where your boss tells you to do something that you know is against the rules either it's fudging on a financial report lying to a potential client, um doing something that you know is against kind of the moral law against the revealed law that's really really hard and so there are times that we're going to fail and there are times that we don't stand up to the name of christ there's times that we don't accord with what scripture tells us and i can i can faithfully say like it's that is okay to fail in that too and i know we're going to feel bad but it's okay to fail in that as well because all of life if we've been purchased has been purchased to the satisfaction of the father because of the obedience because christ did do right all the time and didn't do what he was told to do by this by the serpent by satan in luke 4 during his temptation to go against jesus's heavenly citizenship versus his earthly ministry so it's it is okay and it is forgivable and it's been forgiven for us christians when we do go with what our boss tells us and that we know is wrong so i want to make that clear as well I'm glad you mentioned the term, the viewpoint to kingdom. Um, yeah. I, I was going to actually bring that up in a future episode. However, uh, I think this is pretty relevant. Are, are yeah, you, it's super helpful with this. Yeah, yeah. So as far as our reformed Christian uh, doctrine and looking at two kingdom viewpoint, can you describe what the two kingdom is? Yeah, so I, I kind of described it before, but there's two kingdoms, and it, it gets it gets a bad reputation both inside and outside of Reformed theology. And it's there's the kingdom of heaven, and there's the kingdom of earth, or kingdom of Christ, kingdom of man. There's, you can kind of put it both ways, or kingdom of the sacred, kingdom of the secular. Um, all of those are kind of inter interchangeable terms. And again, secular not being a bad term, it's just like regular, normal, everyday. Um, it's just, it literally is just Latin for normal. Right. Um, but the kingdom of heaven is our heavenly citizenship. That is the Sunday morning worship service being a temporary picture, a small earthly picture of what that kingdom of heaven looks like. So I can make that analogy. Our Sunday morning worship service is a temporary imperfect picture of the perfect heavenly citizenship that's one kingdom and the second kingdom is effectively everything else so monday through friday saturday our everyday average life hanging out with people outside of the church most of us having secular jobs normal jobs interacting with bosses your civil governments any government around you that's part of the kingdom of man kind of the kingdom of earth and sometimes it gets a bad reputation where people assume that the second kingdom, kingdom of earth or kingdom of like man or the civil government is not under the sovereignty of Christ. It is under the sovereignty of Christ, just in a different way where Christ runs the church very specifically and he gives the civil government mandates based off of like what we see in the 10 commandments, based off what we see in natural human understanding, natural moral code. And we'll go more into this later on, but Christ equally rules both, but differently rules both. Right. 
weirdly enough, that has some relevance in a previous episode on End Times. Yeah, yep. Yes, and it also has some relevance for uh, a future episode. It's going to be digging into politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, this is, this is on really that one. helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really helpful for work and it can get controversial yeah. but it's it's really helpful and can be extraordinarily freeing mm -hmm. so if you profess to be a follower of jesus mm -hmm. what in what industries if any are we called to directly stay away mm -hmm. from as far as a, a great examples would be like obviously abortion clinics porn um as examples but you know, any others you could think, obviously, being a hitman. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. But, like, uh, yeah. any no, – those you. are pretty obvious ones. But is there other ones that are a little more subtle? Yeah. So this, this one, I can't give necessarily specific examples. But what I can give um, – because I don't know all the industries, and those are pretty obvious blatant industries that people can't be a part of. Um, but I can give categories where people can take these categories and apply it to future positions or potential positions and say, okay, this fits in this category, this fits in that category. That way it's a little bit more, more broad. So there's, again, in the reformed understanding of like Christian work or vocation, it's, we talk about primary and secondary causes. So primary causes are like an abortion clinic or porn where you're specifically called to do something that leads directly towards sinning or directly towards another sin. So there's, there's a one-to-one -one relationship between your work and explicit sin. Mm -hmm. Secondary causes are your work does not necessarily, your work is outside of kind of the purview of like direct sin, but somebody can sin as a result or as a, um, a bad manipulation of what you do. And so in the reformed understanding, we take both of those two things because technically anything anybody does can be led towards sin because we're sin we're sinful by nature and so we take good as yahweh gave adam good and we turn it to evil he gave him this good tree and adam turned it towards evil mm -hmm. and so we have to think the same way as reformed christians about work where there are industries that are hazy so i mean like kind of the big one that's going on right now is the cannabis industry a lot of Christians have debate on, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And ten, I mean, scripture gives us no specific um, direction on, okay, if you're in a drug industry, this is what you got to do. This is what you can't do. Um, same thing with bars. That's just, that was not a thing in the first century. There were other things kind of like it, but not specifically like that. And so we have to think about are in this industry, in this position that I have, is the direct result contradictory to what i see in the bible is it leading towards sexual sin is it leading is the direct result sexual sin is the direct result murder is the direct result thievery if you're in an industry that's well known for fraud um, or if you're specifically asked to do fraud or if you're specifically asked to manipulate numbers in some way because um, the same thing can happen in the financial industry or in the insurance industry where this can lead towards that but that's why we distinguish between primary and secondary if it can be used towards it in a negative way not the way it's supposed to be used i think that's okay to do if it's used primarily to lead towards specific sins or specific vices 
those are the things we stick away from that we stay away from. So if that makes sense, primary and secondary. So people can think about is the primary cause of this to cause this, to cause this specific sin, or can it be used, but its primary cause is X. So that's that's kind of how I think about it and giving people a broader understanding of, of what to think about when it comes to work. Right. Like with anything in creation, that's good. We can make it bad. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And it's all based on the intention. Like, for example, like what, exactly what you're saying, just so I can repeat this and see if we're on the same page. So like, yeah. obviously if you work in porn, mm-hmm. it's a little directly obvious that the intention and what you're doing is, is biblically wrong. Right. Yeah. But if like, for example, if you're a bartender or working even a cannabis store yeah, is not as direct. I mean, no. we personally as Christians don't have an issue with that. No. Um, the Bible doesn't have an issue. Right. And you Nothing. can, you can make those things and those relationships positive. It's yeah. a little hard to make those things positive out of you doing porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's with yeah. cannabis, with alcohol, with, finance with anything the excess but that's again a secondary cause the excess of something can lead towards something bad but that's not the primary reason that somebody goes into this industry or somebody purchases consumes from this industry so that's that's why i say primary versus secondary so people can think about their work and say okay what category does this fall under how do i think about this position yeah yeah i mean I like to go out and have a beer just as much as anybody. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And so that's totally fine. And uh, there even could be positive things about some of these vices. I don't want to dig too much in and get in too much trouble with some of this stuff, but yeah, I did go back to our point. Is it directly, obviously pretty biblically evil or is it just a um, thing that, you know, like we're talking about? Yeah. Um, so is there any way to know if God is calling you to do something specific? How do we recognize a revelation like this? Mm-hmm. I know I've in the past prayed, you know, God, just show me very clearly like what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> something like that, you know? Yeah. I think this, and this one's hard because on the front end, I want to say, I don't know because to be honest, like I haven't been given specific revelation, like, Hey, Peter, because I'm studying to be a pastor, to be Mm. um, leading a church and and preaching the word. But I've Mm. never felt like God directly told me like, Hey, Peter, I want you to be my pastor or I want you to be a pastor in my church. I've never, I've never felt that it was more so some of my interests aligned, my study habits aligned and um, in different situations, somebody would tell me, was like, Hey, I think you've got a gift for teaching. Um, and you've clearly got a love for the Lord, even though like we're all perfect and sinners. I think this is something you should look at. So my pastor, um, approached me a year or two ago and said, Hey, I think you should look into the pastoral ministry. And so, um, that aligned with my interests. And so I, I kind of went with that and kind of on the flip side, there's my wife who, uh, she doesn't feel like she's specifically called to any industry, um, mm-hmm. but she has this, this desire to help people. She has this longing to help people, and that can be applied in very many different industries. 
And so I don't think for her, it was a specific like, oh, you're called to this. It was, she found an industry that she can help in. And so she's in human resources. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So that's sometimes where I think we focus too specifically on there's only one specific career for every person where I think our interests can be applied to different workplaces. Um, and we can use our resources, our mental resources, our study habits, our, our time management and get better at that and develop more of a passion or develop more of a desire to do that work and kind of all under the heading of, I do this as unto the Lord. I do this as, as an act of worship. My work is worship for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, yeah, it's hard to say revelation, but knowing like, even if you don't have a specific desire for work, it's knowing whatever you can do, doing it to your utmost uh, as unto the Lord. Yeah, and I think it's obvious that being a Christian is not a requirement to no. be a good worker and do no, not at all. jobs. Like, because we live in a secular world, and not to demonize the word secular, like you said, and and uh, this is the beauty of living in America, where we can have the freedom to worship on our own, and we can be coworkers with people that don't have the same beliefs as us. And that's yeah, just absolutely that we're in. That's totally cool and awesome um and then for example but but i think we also know being a christian knowing what we know is going to uh really help you be a good worker and that's what we're hoping i mean for your wife like that's pretty cool a christian in hr <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's not a requirement for a christian to be in hr obviously but i'm sure no yeah and she doesn't make it obvious to other right. people that she's a christian right um but that is as of right now what she's been called to do so that's what she's doing but i'm sure with her being christian if you it has helped her with you know her integrity and whatnot and, and what she does so um because it's part of who she is it's her true identity yeah yeah i mean yeah she, i think I, i'm not sure if somebody would look at her and somebody else and say like oh amanda's a christian but for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it, it does. The gratitude of her salvation does lead towards integrity. Yeah. I mean, even for what I do for work, I, I absolutely love what I do for work and I'm super passionate about it. Um, is it directly, is it a Christian job? No, but, um, but what I do, my integrity for my work is knowing that I'm working ultimately for the glory of God. And yeah. what I do really is um, more in the, in the medical industry and helping people feel comfort and heal. Yeah. And, yeah you're doing, you're doing secular work for the good of those there, which is, I think also something we're called to do as Christians. We're called to do good for the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. um, and then use that work and have conversations to point people towards, hey, this is good right now. And what I'm doing is good for you right now. But I want to point you to the good thing forever. Kind of like we talked about in the moralism episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, let me see here. Where am I? Yeah, we knocked out a few questions here. Uh, 
what parts of scripture in the Bible is helpful to know how to look for work or look, I'm sorry, not look for work, look at work. Yeah. Um, this is, it's going to sound a little weird, but I would go to, um, I go to the passages that speak on like our leaders, our civil leaders, our mm -hmm. government. I'd go to those passages. The big one I'm thinking about is Romans 13, okay. uh, where Paul tells us, and I think it's first Timothy two, where also he tells us too, um, <clears throat> where he tells us to pray for our leaders. They don't bear the sword in vain. They're there for our protection. They're there for our good. They're there to make sure that what we're able to do is continually what we're able to do. So they are there for the preservation of our good. And I think as workers in, like I said, like secular work, that's also what we're doing. We're making sure that those that we're serving are continually able to do the things that they can do. So you in sales are providing materials for those who need to do specific work. And so you're giving them the access, the ability, um, the resources to do what they need to do in their specific work. So I think it's also preservation that those, that those passages talk about where this world is being preserved both for those who will one day know the Lord and also in judgment of those who will not know the world, not know the Lord because it's been preserved for them as well. So I think we're, we're being used to preserve this world, to um, have patience, to continue the prosperity so that if they live long enough, whenever the Lord calls them, he can call them um, because mm -hmm. we provided them. We've helped them stay uh, employed. We've helped them. Stay, we've given them money. We've uh, exchanged resources with them, which I, which is why I think like the secular is good because um, it's used for the preservation to lead us towards repentance. True. And work is, work is a good thing. I mean, Oh yeah. We were called to do it in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Yeah, yeah. Adam was, Adam was a priest in a temple, and he was called to subdue the earth. He was called to work the earth um, before the fall, and the fall cursed the ground. So it made it harder. It made it more toilsome. It made it more burdensome. But he was still given that same mandate, and we're still given that same mandate as a result. Yeah, uh, there was a distinction after the fall, how work changed. I mean, it's harder to see the fruits of our labor, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, Genesis 4 and Genesis 5 talk about, and again, we'll go into this a little bit later on in a couple other episodes, but it talks about basically like the, the beginnings of cities, the beginnings of work, the beginnings of creating a culture. Um, and that's not bad. It's meant towards let's expand this vision. Let's expand this city. Let's expand this temple, which requires work. Mm -hmm. Would you also say like the book of Proverbs is rel is relating to this as well? Like not every proverb, obviously mm -hmm. there, there's different contexts. It's not universally one context, but in your Proverbs, but I'm specifically thinking about Proverbs about not being lazy and stuff. Yeah, I think part of it can be used towards it. And I would, um, I would point people towards our How to Read the Bible episode to mm -hmm. see how to read poetry, 
how to read wisdom sayings, um, and then see the context and see how that applies to what you're doing. Cool. Um, I like this question. How are we to respect or look at our bosses mm -hmm. and authority figures in our workplace? Yeah, I think this directly relates to one of your first questions on mm -hmm. them asking us to do good or them asking us to do evil. I think our primary view of them should be they exist to preserve me they exist to continue my good they exist to make sure i'm successful mm -hmm. um, i think that should be our primary intention the same way we view our government where <clears throat> they may not be leading explicitly christianly um, but we do know that they've been called to lead for our good they've been called to give us the ability to work to give us the ability to bring home a paycheck to give us the ability to put food on the table, a roof over our head. Mm -hmm. And so we pray for them so that it can continue for them to preserve their life. And I think scripture makes it pretty clear. We're both, I mean, we're to pray for them so that they can come to a knowledge of the Lord because they've been, they've been preserved. Um, and we want others to come in as well and to be well taken care of. Cause that's also showing the kindness of the Lord that he gives to Christians and non-Christians, those whom he saved and those he has not saved. One day may save, but those who he has not saved, he preserves both. Mm -hmm. so we see kindness from the Lord from both of those, that he gives rain to the wicked and gives rain to us. He preserves for both of us. And so we pray that he continues that. And I think we can also, like I said, have in the back of our head, he's preserving you. And I hope one day for salvation. Mm-hmm. I mean, more or less, we're called to honor and obey them. Yeah. As yeah. And that means when they ask, to do, ask us to do something that we may not like, if it's not directly contradictory to scripture, it's, it's, a, it's a way to deny ourselves. It's a way to uh, understand that we are working under a master. And it, in a sense, it, it pictures the true master. So we, we need to understand that. Um, we are working for this person and we want to make their work not tiresome, even if it's hard, even if they tell us something that we don't like. Um, just in like a realistic human sense, the more that we're friendly with them, the more that we do what they ask us to do, just the easier the relationship gets and your relationship with your boss can get better. And even when they, and when they ask you to do something that is bad and contradictory, that's when we can bring up hey, this, I, I just can't do this stuff. This goes against what I believe. And nobody says anything neutrally, so it's, it's a conversation starter as well. Yeah. And I, I think if people have difficulty with this ever, uh, I think what could help is just remembering that you're working ultimately for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So um, – if if you feel like your authority figure is a dead end or something like just remember oh okay uh, i working for ultimately god is my boss so yeah and that's not yeah. denying at all that like it's ridiculously hard to work yes. for a terrible boss that mm -hmm. is incredible and we're not taking away anything from like well i just i hate my boss i can't work for him that's just a, that's a really hard situation and it could be something where you do look for another job or it's a time of testing. It's a time of putting your nose to the grinder and saying, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to work through it. Something good can come out of this. Um, but those situations are rough. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, how do we know when it's okay to talk about Jesus in the workplace? Yeah, this one's sticky. Um, mm-hmm. This yeah. one's both sticky because we can get shy. We can get um, scared to talk about it because we don't know how we're going to be viewed. If we're going to be viewed as like, oh, you're closed-minded. How do you believe that fairy stuff? How do you believe all this weird stuff? So that can be scary for us. That can play into it as well. There could be workplace practices. So it could be written in the rules or the bylaws of the company where religion can't enter into the context. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different things that play into this. And I think it's, again, we have to think of our dual citizenship. We are a citizen of heaven. And so we are first and foremost, our boss, if you can say so, is, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, our earthly boss is this person, whoever it may be, whatever company we're working for, or we're the boss, whatever it may be. Um, I don't see it being against scripture if your company has a rule in place where you cannot speak about Jesus. Um, I don't think that's something you have to practice disobedience on. I think you can allow that because that's business outside of the business, hanging out with them outside of the business. That's mm-hmm. fair game. Um, so if your business has a specific role that says you cannot speak about Jesus during the work hours, during this time, talking to your coworkers, I, I don't think there's any rules against if you go out to the bar after, if you hang out after, if you go to, if you go to a vacation with them on off work hours, I think that's, I think, I, I think I'm speaking in the right. I think that's fair game. Um, but yeah. I do think some of this stuff is like, you do have to obey some of the rules of this quote unquote secular world. And if mm-hmm. some of that is, is not speaking about Jesus, then that's, that's something I think we should follow. Cause I don't think that's contradictory to scripture, mm. but there is also, if there is nothing, I think it more so comes down to nerves. I think it comes down to either nerves and finding an organic way. And the best way I found is how was your weekend? And mm. if you're a church going Christian, you can ask somebody, how was your weekend? And they can talk about their weekend. And then if they ask you, how was your weekend? That's the time to say like, oh yeah, I went to church and this is the message that I heard and stuff. And, um, or ask them on Friday, say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And they can say whatever they're doing and say, oh, I'm going to church. Like we've got an open seat next to us if you want to come by. I think it'd be great if you, if you can come by. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are organic ways of bringing it up as well. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, it's, I like the word organic and natural because it's not awkward and weird and you're not being, um, you're just not being weird about it and you're being honest. Like I've done that before too, where I didn't even think about it. I just answered the question when somebody, uh, like outside of a work situation, but still related, you know, it's like, to work. I knew them through work or outside of the work hours or whatever you might yeah. want, but they would ask you on a casual conversation, personally, you know, how was your weekend? What'd you do? And then it did come up naturally. It was like, Oh yeah, I went to church. Um, and more often than not, um, it does, it actually breaks that wall down and they're like, Oh cool. What? They either go, Oh cool. What church do you go to? Yeah. Or you can immediately tell, uh, that's something that they don't want to go. And you just kind of have to adapt and know like, how to carry conversation like anything else from there Um, and then have patience. Like 
you can kind of feel out, is this somebody that I want to pray about and pray for and, you know, have the Holy Spirit give me wisdom when to say something and when not to, because I think it's super important sometimes to know, like, sometimes it's best to say very few things or nothing at all in a situation um, because it's all about timing. Right. And then sometimes when they ask about something, um, when there's more trust, you can be like, you know, you can, you can uh, talk about Jesus more. Yeah. And that's, this is uh this all falls under the sovereignty of God. And so we're not, we, as hard as it is, it is for us. Uh, with our limited knowledge to desire like instant conversion and somebody like oh yeah absolutely i love to go to church um but it's okay because the lord rules the heart the lord softens the heart the lord hardens the heart and we're very simply just ambassadors we're messengers we're sent by him in various aspects and so mm-hmm. um, it's okay the response is not up to you the response is up to the lord's will to open or close the heart yeah and we're not saving anybody we're not nope. we, we're so that, very merely just vessels that's it yeah yeah so it takes all the pressure off we're just here enjoying him and living in his creation knowing who our ultimate master is and when the time is right and and uh you're in front of the uh a person that is going to be receptive to it, then yeah, we're totally cool to talk about a person that, uh, not even a person that, that are really our reality of what we love. Yeah. And I think too, making this clear as well, evangelism in the workplace is going to be hard if it's your first time. And that is 100% okay. Cause I do think evangelism can come with practice. And so it's the more practice you put into it, the more comfortable you're going to get. Um, hearing objections or just telling somebody about Jesus. Um, it will be nerve wracking at first to talk to somebody in your workplace. Um, for, like I said, you don't know the outcome. You don't know what they're going to think of you or how they've been conditioned by culture to think about Christians, um, how your company views Christians. And so that can be nerve wracking on the front end. Um, but just like anything else, I think in your workplace in sports, piano chess swimming whatever it is if you work out like all of it comes down to practice and i know it sounds weird talking about a spiritual thing in practice but i think the ability to walk up to somebody and talk to them about it about jesus i think i think can be helped with practice just doing it more Mm -hmm. and i think something too to remember uh because these could get you could get yourself stuck in really awkward or sticky situations if you're not wise about it so yeah. i think i think just acting like a christian in the beginning especially is more important than talking about being a christian you know in the beginning when you're when you're at a workplace uh just having walking the walk doing what we're called to do treating people with love no matter who they are and respect and respecting your boss and doing your work and working hard, um, doing all the things that we're called to do as a Christian is going to be impressive enough. Who knows? They might be like, 
what's different about you? You're, you're just a fantastic worker. Um, do all that stuff to, to build with your integrity and build trust before you, instead of just walking in a place and being like, Hey guys, I'm Christian. And, and just kind of, um, maybe talking pe- people's ears off that you don't know, you know, that could. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, um, maybe the, to take the pressure off because it's it's something I feel like I struggle with of walking the walk or looking Christian in front of somebody else. Um, so they're like kind of in the in the background. There's there's no pressure to look like a Christian, right? To look like somebody who's got it together because I think that's what we think of about a Christian is you got it together. You're not lying. You're not cheating. You're not stealing. You're always on time. You're always in your work really well. And so you're going to be this bright, radiant light to everybody else around you. <laughs> and like, I think that can come across to some people and it comes like, I think about it. We're like, Oh man, like I just got to be on all the time in order for somebody to notice that I'm a Christian. Um, and just to say like that the pressure is not on you to right. look like a Christian. The, the, the Lord rules hearts and you are simply being used by him. Um, and it's not even like, Oh, follow where the spirit leads It's you are being used by him in your workplace right now. As a Christian, you're being used in it right now. And whatever you do, because you have the spirit, because you've been purchased, um, God has very specifically placed you in your position right now because he's foreordained everything from the foundation of the world your salvation, your steps, your breath, everything. You are specifically right where you're supposed to be right now. Yeah, I hope people heard me correctly. I I think I mean like don't be a faker, don't try to impress people. Just be true to what you believe as a Christian uh in action. You know what I mean? So um let your just kind of try to live that out as best as possible. And believe me, we're all uh struggle. Like go back to the moralism episode, like yeah. just like everyone else. You but, will not do this perfectly, but the Lord oh, is yeah, on no. perfection. Right. So as, as far as a little bit of background I have on this uh, workplace thing is um, I used to be a part of a Christian business networking group and it was actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you guys out there are interested in that kind of stuff, talk to your local church, uh, that you go to and see if there's something out there in your community. Um, what I had was, um, I'll throw out a little plug. <laughs> it's called Kairos and it was phenomenal. So it, it was really everyone there was Christian from different churches and I, I served in it in a little bit and it was like on a weekday morning, there was coffee and then people, there would always be a guest speaker and it was um, a guest speaker talking about their vocation and how it related to faith. And it could be as something as off as like they were an accountant. I think one time we had a news anchor come in um, and it, it was really cool because they, talked about their testimony and how their faith helped them in their workplace. It was really cool. And most of the time it was 
a secular type of industry. So it was really helpful. And then on the side, we would, uh, you'd meet people from other workplaces. So it was like a networking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really cool. Um, so just a plug there for people, that kind of stuff is out there. Um, it's just good to know other uh, brothers and sisters in the faith that are in your, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of, I want to uh, mention that. And so uh, Peter, do you have any other thoughts about this or how could you tie this theme to the gospel? Yeah. So it's, again, it's, by 99.9% of the people listening to this podcast will have a secular job, a regular mm-hmm. industry, teaching, lawyer, janitor, parent, whatever it is, mom, whatever, like whatever, whatever your job is. Um, the job that you have is good. <clears throat> it's just as good, just as called as a pastor, as somebody who's called in vocational ministry, who has a quote unquote Christian job. Um, but as believers, we're called in these industries again to continue the good in this world. We're called to continue um, assuring that people have the resources that they need, giving them the resources that they need. If you're in selling, if you're a lawyer, um, aligning your practice as much as you can with that moral law, with the preservation of life with um, stopping stealing with stopping adultery with with anything that's explicitly called out um, whatever it is uh, but your your job does not have to be explicitly Christian to be glorifying to God mm-hmm. as long as you are working for the good of your neighbor as long as you're working for the preservation of life like I said all of those things um, it is just as sanctified. It is just as used as a pastor's job is used. And so I think sometimes it's just like, oh, he's, my pastor has the only explicitly Christian job. And like, oh, I wish I had a job that was just like his job where I affected so many lives. Um, but you may, I mean, for all you know, for all we know, you have a reach broader than you think, um, wider than you think, or longer than you think. And to know that what we do is, is a picture, is a temporary picture um, of that work of Christ, of the work that we are called to do in the future and right now. Um, But we are called to work and preserve life and continue life, again, like I said, so that if we have non-Christians in our workplace, we can continue and preserve the life so one day, if the Lord calls them to repentance in himself, that he does call them to repentance in himself. And the longer they live, the longer opportunity they have for that repentance, the longer opportunity they have for that salvation. Um, but also within your work, doing good in your work, because we're also called in this kingdom, in this earthly kingdom to do good work. Like Paul has told us to do, to do good work as a civil magistrate does good work as our leaders do good work. Um, so it is, it is okay. And it's commendable. Like we need good workers in the workplace. People who are part of the local church who can invite to the local church because the pastor can only touch so many people. He can only preach to so many people. Um, so we need people in the workplace in the regular old workplace, uh, just as much as, as we need the pastor. And it's great. Cause like in, 
in heaven, the work we will do will be to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It will be to worship him. Um, all the work we will do will be sanctified because right now the work we do is tainted by sin. Um, we will lie. We will cheat. Uh, we will commit fraud, but we know uh, there is one who, when he was called to his work, he did not lie. He did not commit fraud. He did not cheat. He did not commit adultery. He did nothing wrong. He did his work perfectly and his ministry perfectly. And in some sense, I think we're, we're called to image that. Um, but I want to stress your regular normal work is good. And continue doing your regular normal work because you're preserving their life and giving them opportunity through the resources that you're giving them, through the help that you're giving them to one day, hopefully lead them towards repentance. Mm. Yeah. And I think as far as your local church that you go to, one of the coolest things about the diversity, diversity builds strength every single time. Uh, the, the, the diversity of the different occupations that go into the members of your church just help you serve other people. And I think uh, that's just so helpful. And it, it allows you um, people to ask for advice or help or opinions or serve each other in other in ways outside of directly inside a church. It's just like based on what they do for their occupation. Um, you know what I mean? So that's just really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have work and if you don't feel like you have this passion, that's okay as well. If you don't feel like you have a specific calling, if you don't feel like uh, you have a, sp <coughs> a specific passion or role and you don't know where you fit in mm -hmm. within the society as well. Um, I, I, and to, I think, apply to the gospel to this as well. Mm. Jesus was that alien who was not called, did not have a home. Mm. Um, he was ostracized. He was misunderstood. And he was that ultimate misunderstood one. He took on our burdens. He took on all of that. He was not what was expected. And he took on our sin. He took on our uh, our misdeeds. He took on our dispassion. He took on our failure at work. He took on our failure to work. He took on all that stuff and put on the cross. And that's mm -hmm. also what he died for as well. So when we fail at work, when we fail to find work, whatever it may be, um, that's also all covered under the blood of Christ. And if it's hard, um, that's okay. Reach out, like use your, use your local resources, use your pastor, use people at your congregation. Um, that's hard. Like, I'll, I mean, it's, there's nothing else to say. If you don't feel like you have that passion, if you don't feel like you're called to anything specifically, if, if this feels burdensome to you to work hard and to pursue glory, uh, know that that's okay as well. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be this passion-filled, crazy person, always <laughs> working as hard as you can and telling everybody, everybody about Jesus, because that's not the gospel. The gospel is God came and saved sinners through his son. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we can be not passionate, 
and still be covered by the blood of Jesus. And we can be a beggar. We can be janitor. We can be a mom. We can be whatever it is. And all of that is still used for the glory of God. Absolutely. Amen. That was cool. Right on. Um, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, cool. So, Peter, what could you remind everybody how to stay in touch with us and subscribe? Yep. Only if you love us, leave us a rating. If you hate us, <laughs> then go watch other episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, give us feedback. Let us know what you think. <clears throat> Any questions, um, future episode topics that you'd like to be covered. Um, that you don't think have been covered in your church or any other churches and you want to hear a reformed perspective on that topic, let us know. Uh, we'll help you out as much as we can. If we don't know, we'll point you towards resources um, that can help you out towards that as well. Uh, yeah. Like us on Instagram, like our posts, follow us. We're on all the major podcast feeds. Subscribe to us and listen through. And we're trying to give you categories to to both how to think about God in a glorious, holy way and what the gospel of Christ is. Because the gospel of Christ is not something you do. The gospel of Christ is something that's been done. Yep. Amen. Cool. Well, I think you closed it out well, my friend. And we will uh, talk to you guys later. All right. Peace out. Thank you.